When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Kathy Groover. She is an award-winning author and the host of the national TV show based on her first book, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet. Kathy and I will be discussing her latest book, Journey of Healing, One Woman's Path, to healing self and others. It is a practical guide to techniques and tools to help you have a healthier and more satisfying life. Good morning, Kathy. Welcome back to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. It's been three years, and <gasps> I'm so excited to have you back to talk about the things that you're doing and the journey that you went through and so forth. So it's great and a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning. Oh, thanks. I can't believe it's been three years. <laughs> it's, it's fabulous. <laughs> Your book, Journey of Healing, is a wonderful inspirational memoir. It has great information about alternative medicine, and most importantly, it contains lots of practical applications, and I really, really like that. So congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. I had so much fun putting it together, and I'm glad people are enjoying it. So good to hear. Thank you. Fantastic. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Tell us about yourself. Just give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Yeah, I was born in Pittsburgh, uh, go Steelers. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, I'm an only child, and my dad owned a paint store, and my mom was just a not just a housewife, but she, she made sure my dad and I stayed together and sane and clean and healthy and all that good stuff. Uh, I was a theater major. So I always had an interest in theater and dance. I started dancing when I was about five, got on stage for the first time in fifth grade and was totally hooked. And so through the rest of my adolescence and teen years and even into my 20s, I pursued acting as a career. Um, I should put the footnote in there of my mom passed away when I was 18. So uh, from cancer, she suffered for about nine years of a very rare tumor on her spine. And a lot of people think that, well, of course you're in alternative medicine, you know, because of what happened with your mom. And it, it wasn't that simple a path. It wasn't that simple of A plus B equals C thing. Uh, but it definitely had an influence. You know, you can't lose a parent that young and not have that influence you. Um, I moved to California and pursued the acting career. And that's when I realized that parallel of healing as well. So I had this, these, this running sort of dual life of actor and healer. And eventually healer won out. So here I am. Um, in Santa Barbara, I do massage therapy and hypnotherapy, and like you said, I've got five books and my own TV show, and I've lectured around the world, which has been incredibly exciting, and I think that's, that's where the acting comes back in. So I've managed to combine everything again, and, and here I am on the air with you uh, after apparently three years, which is kind of crazy. So that's, that's, yeah. a very abri- that's a very abbreviated version. I can expand on any of that if you want to know more. <laughs> 
it's a long story. We can talk about that for the entire hour. (laughs) Well, it is about a journey that you have taken, and your book certainly put all that in a very nice, organized manner. And I love the way you put it together. You got wonderful pictures, and you walk through the things that you've done in your life. And I think that's in itself really inspires people to look at their life and just basically ask themselves, like, wow, am I just going with the flow? You have the mantra of go for it. And that's very exciting. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it, it was my motto in high school, and I don't know where it came from. Uh, I, actually, I mean, I was always very go, go, go. I was the one who mm-hmm. freshman year of college, I thought, sure, I can handle 21 credits and an 8 a.m. English <laughs> class. I don't know what I was thinking. A uh, little type A, <laughs> um, but it was. I always wanted to be busy, and I always wanted to be experiencing new things and conquering new things and just knowing what that felt like. It's why would I not want to have that experience, that food, that movie, whatever it is. And so I think that just became my my thing. And I think, again, that, that's where I believe losing a parent so young comes from because I'm now uh, at the age that my mother was when she passed away. And so I'm looking, I'm still so young, and I'm looking ahead at so much of my life and realizing, you know, not everybody gets we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. So to me, yeah. you live every day to its fullest. You have those experiences. You stop putting it off. You know, what are you holding that china for? What is the pretty lingerie sitting in a drawer? Go do the trip if you can. Go have that experience. Go eat that food. Uh, because I think so many of us put that off till later. And there's no guarantee we get a later. I've seen that with so many of my clients and my friends. So that's where I think that came from, which is, you know, live it now. Do it now. If it comes up, say yes. Say yes to everything and just grab life. What is interesting about a journey is that we're talking about a life's journey here is that there's certain things in our life that's just uniquely us, basically, whether it's from a DNA approach or not. The point what I'm making here is that as we get older, the unique us, the authentic us gets more refined. When did you first experience the yearning to be a healer? Oh, that's a really good question. I think for the longest time I I fought that. I think it was this Mm -hmm. practical thing of, oh, I'm kind of good at this and I kind of like it. And, hey, I can do this on the side and make extra money while I'm pursuing acting. The yearning Mm -hmm. for me, that, that inner drive of I have to have this was always the acting. Um, mm-hmm. And when I stopped acting and I stopped doing massage and I left L.A. and my husband and I moved up to Santa Barbara, I took a job in production, which meant no mm-hmm. more in front of the camera. Um, I, I sold my massage table. I let my fingernails grow. Uh, for any massage therapist listening, they totally get what that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I gave it all, I gave it all up, and, and I started a new chapter. And after about six, six or eight weeks, that job fell through. And I found myself in Santa Barbara in a very expensive apartment uh, with no job, with no friends. I told my husband he could work part-time because I was, may, had this great job. Uh, and I was really lost. I think it was the first time I was really floundering with, okay, what do I do with myself? Um, there was no option to go back to L.A. Uh, I didn't want to pursue acting anymore. And I really just did have this urge to get my hands on people again and do massage. And we have a, a main street here in Santa Barbara called State Street. My husband and I would walk down the street, and we'd be behind someone, and I'd kind of cock my head to one side, and I'd go, okay, so their left shoulder's high, their right hip's high, they're listing a little bit. I bet they have a knee problem. No, maybe it's a hip problem. No, I think it's a hip problem. And I would sort of diagnose them as they were walking around, and finally my, he turned to me, and he yeah. goes, okay, stop, stop. Either go do this or stop. Like, clearly you want to do this, so go do it. And I, I went, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And so that was, I think, really the first time I had the urge of, I need to get my hands on someone. Um, the rest of the time, it was sort of just something I did. <laughs> right, right. Very interesting. These are the points I'm talking about to whereby it's something within us. And as we get older, it becomes magnified. And all of a sudden, right now, you have been sort of funneled to the calling that you need to do on this earth, basically. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. And I, I, I call these urgings. And sometimes we have very um, urgent urges. You know, it's almost as if we get a tap on the shoulder and we hear something say, "Mm, I would turn left here and not right. And we do that and we realize we avoided an accident. You know, I think there's these glimmers of divinity that kind of pop in and give us information. And I think it's kind of like I I equate it to going to the movie and you think, well, it's about to start. I could go to the bathroom and no, I'll be fine. And then halfway (laughs) through, you're like, "Mm, I wonder how much longer there is. I could probably wait. And then with, you know, the five minutes to go, you can't hold it anymore. You have to rush out of the theater to use the bathroom. That's. I yeah, think what was building in me with the healing is I enjoyed doing it, and I studied Reiki, and I studied herbs and homeopathics, and you know I did all that when I was living in L.A., and it was sort of this fun novelty, but I never did have that urging. So I think it was building in me, and I think it took getting to Santa Barbara with no other distraction, with no other option, really. So the universe kind of went, here you are in a town open to healing, and you don't have a job. Go. <laughs> Figure it out. And I went, oh, Okay. <laughs> The other side of the equation, what I'm looking at, what's interesting here, Kathy, is this. We collect all the knowledge and information that we need to put the puzzle together. And in many ways, your life's journey has honed your mind, body, and spirit to become the person you are today. So from that perspective, looking back, did you realize all this are happening in terms of equipping your medicine bag, so to speak, so that whenever you go out now, whether you're speaking or actually using your hands to heal people, that basically you are an experiential speaker and healer. I had no clue. I had no clue until (laughs) recently that my Uh life unfolded, and that all of our lives unfold the way they do. Yeah. I think I, I had the hint when when somebody a couple of years back made the weird comment of, oh, you were a theater major. Gosh, well, do you feel like that was a waste of your time now that you're not acting? And to me, right. there is no waste of time. Um, the waste That's of time correct. is turning down opportunities. And I look at mm-hmm. now what I do with the radio, and the reason I got the TV series was because I had an acting background. Anybody can mm-hmm. stand up there with a Ph.D. and go, blah, 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 stress. You know, I, I can make it right, fun and right. interesting, hopefully fun. Uh, so everything that I've experienced, including my own injuries, my own health issues, my family's health issues, my you know, all of that has, you're right, actually built into this little conglomeration of who Kathy Groover is. And I don't think we have that self awareness till later. I'm seeing I'm seeing younger people get it quicker now, which is kind of mm-hmm. fascinating to watch mm-hmm. these up and coming, you know, the millennials, um, who mm-hmm. really seem to have more self awareness than I did at twenty, you know, we thought we knew it all, but I really had no mm-hmm. clue. And I do realize, and especially in putting this book together, oh my God, I've experienced a lot of stuff, and I know a lot of things that most people mm-hmm. don't because they didn't have that curio- I have this endless curiosity and fascination. I think it's the, the go for it thing of I want to know what does that type of massage feel like? What's acupuncture do? Hey, what are these homeopathic things? You know, I want to know all that, and then I transmute that through and I, I express that to other people. So I've been given an incredible gift to have that curiosity and to be surrounded by people. Even in my teens, I learned to visualize when I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what 
that meant at that time. I mean, I did it and I, I carried that through my life. But now as an adult, I really understand the power of that. That was part of my dissertation was how visualization works. So, you know, mm-hmm. all these little I followed the breadcrumbs and all these little glimmers of things, all these little tokens that I was given now add up into me getting a heck of a prize. Uh, And it's just Mm -hmm. been an honor to know all of this and to meet these people who imparted me with these little droplets of info that I now see a a huge bucket of now. It's it's pretty fascinating. Fantastic. Was there a low point in your life health-wise? Because I know you are extremely healthy right now, but would there a point in time that you felt like, okay, great, I'm healing others. How about me? Yeah, I would say I was pretty darn unhealthy when I was living in L.A. Um, it was the actor mm-hmm. lifestyle. You know, I didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of money, and there was a point in which that I was doing um, Little Shop of Horrors. I was Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, and two of my very best friends who lived in the same neighborhood as me in Hollywood, they were also in the show, and we had to commute all the way to probably about an hour and a half each way, I think, especially with L.A. traffic. And so none of us had a lot of money. And so it was, oh, how many tacos at Taco Bell can we get today? And depending on who got paid, it was like a commune, you know, depending on who got paid, yeah. that's yeah. who that's who bought the food that night. And we were all excited if our paychecks coordinated, we can get an extra large soda. I mean, it was horrible, but I was, you know, I was living off Mountain Dew and food bought from, you know, Chevron and Mobile and 7-Eleven and, you know, beef jerky and prepackaged sandwiches and it was horribly unhealthy, and I was still doing fast food at that time. So I was, you know, McDonald's hamburgers and Big Macs and Whoppers. And, you know, it was just a horribly unhealthy lifestyle. And I looked healthy. I was thin. I had energy. But what I I didn't realize is those subtle things of, oh, that weird abdominal cramping and then being constipated mm-hmm. for four days. That's not normal. Or why am I having such horrible pain in my abdomen? I have to lay down from eating that hamburger. And you know, I was having all these subtle signs of ill health, and I didn't even realize it. I was sleeping all the time. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was having migraines. I was having weird PMS issues. I was just, and I think all that was coming more from lifestyle choices <clears throat> Excuse me, than an actual, you know, I didn't have an underlying illness mm-hmm. with, except my own na- naivete of I'm going to shove in my face whatever I can at that moment. It was, it was mm-hmm. situation-driven. I didn't have, to, like I said, didn't have tons of money or time. And so I went through that in my 20s, and it was most uncomfortable. And now I look, now I look back at it and go, oh, idiot, come on, what were you thinking? But I got through it unscathed. I got through it unscathed, and now I know what not to do uh, and how to help right. others not do it. So, um, yeah, oh, the artificial sweetener, and oh, I, yeah, it was awful, mm. awful, awful diet. <laughs> <laughs> in your journey, in reading your book, one of the things that I want to ask you is, why was natural healing so appealing to you? Yeah, I think that's a twofold thing. One of which is I think when my mom was dealing with her illness, she didn't have options. You know, this was 1980s in Pittsburgh where the options were chemo, surgery, radiation. And for a lot of cancer patients, those are still the three options you're given. And I even remember suggesting as a teenager somewhere I had heard the word acupuncture. And I said, well, you know, could acupuncture help her? And they turned to this, you know, silly 15-year-old and go, what the hell do you know? And Again, in Pittsburgh in the 80s, that wasn't really an option. We didn't have these amazing cancer centers that we do now. We didn't have as mainstream alternative medicine, even things like hypnosis and visualization and and, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. They didn't have that type of pain management that we do now. And so she didn't have a lot of options. So to me, looking for options 
is always fascinating to me. And I think the other thing is, again, I, I don't know that I consciously made all these choices. I think it was the series of unfolding events that eventually, you know, made this conglomeration of, hey, I know all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I think in, yeah. in researching things for my mom as much as I could without Google in the 80s, uh, yeah. I think it just I, I think it just all unfolded. And I never considered going to medical school. It was never an interest to me. First of all, I was terrible at math and science, so I don't think I ever would have gotten in. And I think I was so focused on acting. I mean, that was really, I talk about a kid with a singular focus, acting. That was what I wanted to do. And so if you would have said, hey, how about medical school, I would have laughed in your face. Because, again, math and science, I, no, 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 not my thing. I still don't know yeah. if I'd be able to get into medical school even with all I know. Um, but I, I appreciate Western medicine. I love aspects of Western medicine. I wish it was more integrative with some of the other stuff. But I think we're getting there. We're moving right. in that direction. Yeah, I'm definitely moving there. Mm-hmm. Was there an epiphany in life to sort of push you over the top in terms of immensing yourself all the way into alternative medicine? Yeah, I think, again, it was one of those urgings. Um, I was doing massage, and I really Mm -hmm. wanted to be doing something else. And people were looking at me as a health practitioner, not just a massage therapist. They were really turning to me with with questions of, hey, what about my sister's cancer? And, hey, what about my dad's heart disease? And I have an autistic kid. Do you know anything about that? Mm -hmm. And as a massage therapist, you know, we have a very limited scope of practice. We can put our hands on muscle. That's pretty much what we're allowed to do. We're not allowed to diagnose. We're not allowed to prescribe. I shouldn't even have been talking to people about herbs and homeopathics and because I wasn't, quote, licensed or certified in that. And when I started searching, I thought, you know, I want something that gives me more scope, that gives me more ability to practice. And I started looking into every possible natural health option I could find. I looked into being an acupuncturist, and that lasted for about two seconds where I realized it just didn't zing me the way other things did. Um, (laughs) And at that time, we actually had a a school of oriental medicine in Santa Barbara, and I thought, oh, that's perfect. Mm. Well, luckily I didn't go there because about a year later it shut down, and everybody halfway through the program was sort of left high and dry without being able to finish. Mm -hmm. So glad I didn't choose that. Um, I looked into chiropractic school, and... At this point, I was in my 30s, and I was working full-time with a practice. It wasn't like I was still 20 and Dad was paying for school. you know. So I also had to find something that, um, that, that I could afford, that I could do from a distance. I wasn't moving. Uh, I couldn't quit my practice, so I couldn't go away to do something. And I finally saw the word naturopath, and I went, naturopath, huh, what's that? And thank God for the Google, because I started researching schools, and I found Clayton College, and they had a, uh, an ND in traditional naturopathy. I ended up mm-hmm. studying with them, and I realized I was totally obsessed uh, with that type of healing. And then I got my mm-hmm. master's and PhD as well. And I think it really just grew out of my clients wanting to know more and me wanting to help them. And so I just mm-hmm. had, again, that thirst for knowledge just took over, and I realized I want to know everything there is to know about this. And so I just just dove in, and I think I finished mm-hmm. the degree so fast because I was so interested. You know, it's like I thought, oh well, I'll do the MD and then I'll stop. And then I realized, yeah. you know, I would be reading these books anyway. Just keep going. Right. Um, and so I right. ended up do, pursuing these other degrees. And frankly, I'd still be doing more. Um, uh, I, I, I do classes with Harvard for fun. They're medical school classes. Yeah. You can take them online. And I've done emergency mm-hmm. medicine, and I've done disaster medicine, and I've done different cancer courses. And people are like, oh, mm-hmm. is that required? I'm like, 
no. I just want, I yeah. do not want to know that. You know, so I'm just, I'm obsessed with the learning. To me, it's fascinating. And sometimes I outscore the medical doctors, which is pretty good. <laughs> it allows you, when you take the test at the end, it allows yeah. you to see how yeah. you scored compared to other people. And sometimes I out, outscore uh, everybody else, which it's a competitive Capricorn part of me. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. How did the idea for Journey of Healing come about? You've written several books, and this is obviously your last one. And when I say last one, it's the latest one, actually. Right. And this is the book that sort of, to me, kind of put everything together, and this book is mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah, I actually don't know where to go from here, because this, this should have been the one I did at the end of my life. <laughs> but I guess we'll have to have a Journey of Healing too, the revenge. Um, <laughs> the journey continues. Um, yeah, you know, when I started doing so many lectures and workshops and keynotes, and uh, no one trained me to be a speaker. I just took it from what I knew from what I had seen at conferences and what I had known as an actor. And to me, the most powerful speakers put things in personal terms. It was, oh, hey, let me share this story about getting lost in, Bum- in Mumbai, and it's going to lead to this great ending with a right. great lesson. And when I started doing more speaking, I realized that, yeah, I could stand up there and give facts. But I had some pretty cool stuff that had happened to me. Um, Everything from, if you remember the section in the book about getting stranded after seeing Stonehenge and the truck running me off in in England Mm -hmm. for my my first trip out of the country, that was one of the first stories I told. Um, And that came at a time before I knew about visualization and affirmation and positive thought and reframing all that stuff. Uh, And so I started with that story. And that became a huge part of my lectures. And then I would tell the story of, uh, you know, whichever one it is, talking about Dorothy and Alice or or some of the other stories in the book. And I realized that people Mm -hmm. were so into hearing those personal stories. And then I would start Mm -hmm. to tell them on the radio. And just sort of like we're talking, people became more interested in who I was and how I do what I do rather than just what I do. You know, it became this more this tale. And I thought, God, you know, it's time to write this down. And I sat down one day and I went, okay, go. And nothing happened. And I stared at the computer and went, hmm, I guess I'm not ready. And I, I wrote a couple paragraphs, and it was forced, and it didn't come out right. And of yeah. all things, my husband and I were going to a wine event. Um, he's a wine writer, so we go to a lot of wine events. And he had a uh, just business-only breakfast portion of it, and then I was to meet him at like 9 or 10 o'clock. And so he dropped me at this little diner, and he went over to the event, and I was going to meet him, and I sat down with my computer, and all of a sudden I just started writing over my mm-hmm. breakfast in this little little cafe. And the next thing you know, I had like three pages, and I'm in tears. That ended mm-hmm. up being the intro to the book, uh, mm-hmm. talking about choices. And I realized, okay, this this it's now time to put this together because I didn't have to, you know, I knew the stories and and I know the medical, right. the, you know, the, the medical stuff. But it was just how do I kick this off? And when I sat down that day and just started writing, I realized, wow, okay, now's the time. And again, it's that urging, you know, it's that tap on the shoulder of okay, now. And that's just what I waited for. So that's what was really difficult for me trying to do a PhD because I had writing that needed to be done right then. And right. I wasn't right. I didn't have the urge. I'd be like, I can't write anymore. I don't know what to say. You know. Um, so that's how all of my books have come. I literally say I'm not going to write another one. And then three months later, yeah. I have several pages and went, oh, I guess I'm writing another one. So it just it really grew out of this wanting to share these stories with people because they liked them and it helped them. Mm-hmm. They could relate to mm-hmm. that. So that's, that's sure. kind of where that came from. Fantastic. Who can benefit from reading this book? I really wrote this for 
for two audiences. One is people who want to be healers or who are in the healing profession, whether it's massage yeah. or Reiki or homeopathics or acupuncture or chiropractors or medical doctors. You know, there's enough um, enough knowledge in this book that anybody can can expand their practice from it. Uh, so anybody who wants to be a healer. The other thing is people who just want to know more about natural health and mm-hmm. how to incorporate that into your into your life and your family's life and your company's life. Uh, because, again, it's this to me it's the perfect combination of personal stories leading to some sort of, um, not happy ending in all cases, but some sort mm-hmm. of lesson that I learned that I can impart on people, and also the, the practical textbook aspect of it. So it's, it's definitely a textbook mm-hmm. meets an autobiography. And so I think anybody that has an interest in alternative medicine, I think this, they, they would find this fascinating of how I unraveled it all and how I discovered it and how I've used it and, and some of the stupid mistakes I've made, like the whole horseradish incident and um, a lot of people like that story. <laughs> I don't remember it. I don't remember it fondly. I remember being very yeah. sick. But, uh, you know, it's not a perfect system. And just because it's natural doesn't mean you can't get hurt by it. And I think people mm-hmm. forget that, oh, it's natural. I can take as much as I want. Yeah, learn right. from me doesn't work that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. so there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of good lessons in this book. So obviously you have two different readers here, which, by the way, it's perfectly done because the first part of the book, when I first picked it up, I said, well, this is cool. If I decide to pursue a career in massaging and so forth, you basically gave me the blueprint to succeed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. Um, because I've I've had a lot of people contact me, you know, kind of from around the country and say, Hey, you know, I'm pursuing this career and you know, can you can you help me? Can you um you know, can I apprentice with you? Can I do these things? Which is really difficult as a massage therapist because I can't always just yeah. welcome someone into my office and say, Hey, don't mind the naked person on the table, I'm gonna teach you stuff. Uh, <laughs> so this is you know, this has become this has become it is. It's a, it's a blueprint. It's a roadmap for people who maybe don't know where to start. And I actually right. spoke to. I have a a, a friend. I, I can't even say I'm mentoring her, but sort of casually, I guess I am. And yeah. we sat there one one afternoon, and she said, "So tell me everything about Reiki." And I said, yeah. "Okay." She goes, "I mean, I read it in your book." I said, "Okay, then you know everything I know about Reiki." really? And I said, you know everything I know about Reiki. I said, at this point, all I can do is refer you to a 300-page book on Reiki. Everything I know, I put in this book. I mean, I don't think there's anything at the time. Now, now this has been a year, uh, probably a year and a half since I started it. So, you know, I've learned things since, which is coming Journey of Two, the the Revenge. Um, But, uh, yeah, yeah, I said, you you got it. And she goes, okay, cool, I'll read that chapter again. You know, she didn't want to waste face-to-face time with me when she could go read that chapter again. So it was actually kind of, it was kind of fascinating. It was kind of fascinating. Very interesting. Why are massages beneficial to our well-being? Oh, they they oh, they're so fabulous. And I know that's that's the first thing I learned, so I have a special place for that. You know, there's such mm-hmm. a lack of touch in this society, mm-hmm. such a lack of good touch. And, you know, just mm-hmm. what we're seeing happening with our election right now, there's now all this this again conversation about touch and good touch and consent and and loving touch and I think it's really yeah. important. And and I think we flipped to the opposite extreme where I have some 
acquaintances who are teachers who they're not allowed to touch their students. They're not allowed to hug them. Right. They're not allowed to high five them. Um, there's a couple summer programs here in Santa Barbara where if you're a, a camp counselor, you are not allowed to touch a child. So if they mm-hmm. fall down, you just have to basically let them sit there. Um, if they decide to throw mm-hmm. a tantrum and lay down in the middle of the trail, you can't pick them up and carry them. You know, I think we're taking it to to a definite opposite extreme. Not everyone's a child right. master, okay? You know, right. if you've done right. a background check and you've got a, right. a, a 17-year-old girl who's a camp counselor, chances are you're pretty safe that she's not going to, you know, assault a child. Right. Um, I understand right. we have to be safe because that's, that's a horrible thing. But, but I think so we've swung to the opposite extreme. And we're not having mm-hmm. a lot of good therapeutic touch, especially with our children and with our elderly. Um, so I've gone mm-hmm. into nursing homes and I've done massage on some of the, um, you know, the people who are there who they barely see the sun. They're not taken outside. Mm-hmm. They're sitting in this little room by themselves, and it's it's sad and it's not healthy. Uh, so massage not only you know does very technical things like help with our circulation and help relax the muscles. It's really great with pain. You know I've had clients come in with chronic headaches or chronic jaw tension, and they walk out yeah. feeling great. You know it can help. Massage helps arthritis, which you wouldn't think it does, but it helps relax the muscles around those joints. Um, it's really great for depression and anxiety because it helps release feel-good hormones in the brain. Those mm-hmm. things like oxy- mm-hmm. oxytocin, which anyone that's ever given birth is very familiar with oxytocin. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a multifold. Uh, benefit. And I think the key is finding the right practitioner. And I talk a lot about that in the book. Open communication with any any of your practitioners. If something hurts, say it hurts. And I've done a lot of expert witness work where the person on the table says, oh, wow, you know, that's that's actually really too hard. That kind of hurts. And the therapist goes, Mm -hmm. no, 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 you need this. Oh, please put your clothes on and get up and leave. Um, You need to know your own. Now, having said that, you do need to know your own body. And I've had clients mm-hmm. walk in where I say, how are you feeling today? And they go, oh, are you hurting anywhere? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, somewhere over here. You know, they don't know how to. Yeah. I have an advantage in that I know the inner, inner workings of the body very well. But, um, right. you know, you have to get in touch with yourself. And I think every day, just like if you drop your car to valet, they kind of walk around it and they note any scratches or dents and, oh, this sounds, you know, just so they know we didn't do it. Um, I think we have to be at least as respectful of our own bodies. And, you know, every day, just do a quick check-in. Hey, does that mole look different? Hey, my skin doesn't look the same way. Oh, my hair's falling out. Oh, I do have this pain in my right shoulder. Oh, that still hasn't gone away. Okay. Do a five-minute inventory, you know, while you're in the shower, while you're brushing your teeth. Because we can't be helped by anybody if we don't know what's wrong. And we have the ability to go to the auto mechanic and go, yeah, it makes this weird noise. When I turn the steering wheel to the left, it goes click, 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 click. You know, we notice that, but we don't notice when our own body's falling apart. So I think whether it's massage or any other practitioner, you need to know what is happening when you feel good and what's happening when you not feel good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's so true. You mentioned Reiki just now, and my question is, when is someone – a good candidate for Reiki. Yeah, Reiki is really phenomenal. It's a phenomenal technique. That was sort of the second one that I I added to my menu. Uh, It's a hands-on healing technique, and it deals with the chi. It deals with energy. So it's not going to necessarily give you a physical effect in that it doesn't feel like massage. Um, people often do massage and Reiki together and, and they think Reiki is massage. It's a completely different thing. It's, it's a hands-on healing. Mm-hmm. It's more a laying on of hands. And what it does is it's really great at healing on all levels of body, mind, and spirit. So um, I have had people come to me for more emotional issues. A lot of mm-hmm. people with losses. I had a client whose husband had passed. I had a client 
client who had who lost a child. I have, I've had a couple clients who have lost children who come. Um, sort of general emotional upset all around. It's really, really mm-hmm. great for balancing that out. For the physical, it, it's great at speeding healing. It's really great for comforting cancer patients because oftentimes people with cancer, depending on the type of cancer, can't have massage because there's uh, a possibility of spreading the massage through or spreading the cancer through the body mm-hmm. with the massage. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want to do. Uh, so massage is or uh, Reiki is found in a lot of cancer centers. A lot of hospitals offer it. It's soothing. It's relaxing. And it speeds wound healing and helps bones heal quicker is the experience I've mm-hmm. had. So I told you I just I was a silly girl and I broke my finger a couple of weeks ago. I've been doing a lot of Reiki on it um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it it helps. It really helps. I've seen it firsthand what that can do in helping the body. So you know we have this natural inclination. If we bang our knee, what's the first thing we do? We put our hands on it and touch it. Um, mm-hmm. So that hands on healing is a very natural thing for us. And Reiki just mm-hmm. sort of. Um, turns it up to 11, amps it up a little bit. So Reiki is beautiful for anybody, but I would say if specifically someone who's dealing with emotional issues or someone with an injury, they'd like to heal quicker. Very interesting. Your book talked about where you believe there are people that are natural healers in terms mm-hmm. of Reiki techniques. And then, of course, the concept of one can learn how to be a Reiki master. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, there is a belief. It, it's a pretty strict system, and it's because of you know the internet and, and access to so much knowledge. It's not quite as secret as it used to be. Uh, there are certain symbols you use that you used to not even be able to get until you went through the training, which was pretty pricey. I remember it being you know as a starving actor in L.A., $150 a session. That yeah. was very, very, very expensive for me, and I had to scrape and scrape to get that together. Um, and some people would charge like 150 for a Reiki one, 500 for a Reiki two, and like thousands to become a Reiki master. And to me, that's mm-hmm. that's a little bit. To me, that's that's too much. Uh, I understand there has mm-hmm. to be an exchange of energy, which is you give me money, I give you this thing. Um, but mm-hmm. that was a lot. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it, it used to, it, it was believed, and it still is in a lot of factions of Reiki, that you have to be attuned to do Reiki. You have to be opened up to the energy in this very quick little ceremony called an attunement. Um, but I have seen people who have never had a Reiki attunement put their hands on me and clearly do Reiki. Now, they don't know what they're doing with it. They've not been trained in it. They just put their hands on and this energy starts. So I don't know if that's a remnant from, if you believe in reincarnation, if that's a remnant from a previous lifetime sure. where the person was a healer or if they just sort of shot out of the womb going, hey, I have this skill, just like I have perfect pitch yeah. or I can play the piano or I can dance or, you know, we all yeah. shoot out with these very specific skills. And I think some people just pop out as a healer. And I think I did. I just didn't mm. know and didn't want to acknowledge it um, because I was so focused <laughs> on something else. But I mean, obviously with my, with my urging to do all of this and amass all of this knowledge, I think I really did shoot out of the womb with some great healing skills. Uh, right. I just didn't want to, put that on my resume yet (laughs) i was distracted by i was distracted by other things but yeah so i think people do have the natural ability to be to be a a reiki practitioner i think working with someone who knows what they're doing and allowing you to hone that skill because even someone that's a really great football player you don't just send them onto the field you still need coaching you still need training you still need to um, hone those skills and know how to use them best so i think frankly you know i look at everything like it can be a sport and you need someone coaching you. And so even if you are a natural healer, 
find someone who knows just a little bit more than you or who's been doing it longer than you who can help you refine that, and, and then you'll be, be even a better healer. Yeah. Right. So true. Well, what you have gone through, though, Kathy, it's more of things that you have experience of in real life so that as you apply your God-given gift, you have something to what I would say an embellishment to go with your skills. So Mm -hmm. the things that you have done in your life, whether it's acting, the things that you expose yourself to, all of those, somehow it adds character whether it's a physical character or emotional character, spiritual character, to your ability to heal. I honestly believe that. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's been so many times where I've suffered from an injury or I've had some weird experience where inevitably (laughs) within, you know, a month someone shows up in my office with the same issue, the same problem, the same symptom, the same experience. And I can go, Oh, 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 I know what that is. You know, it's it's kind of like that, uh, the card game where you put out like 30 cards and there's two that match of every single thing and you flip Mm -hmm. it over and go, Oh, a bear. And then you flip over the next one. Oh, a banana. And then you flip over the next one and go, Oh, a bear. Oh, Oh, I saw a bear. I remember where that is. You know, it's that matching card Mm -hmm. game. And so I think I have the privilege of getting to see, um, can I see a lot of flipped over cards and I can remember where they were so I can recall back in my library of experiences oh hey I remember that symptom that was a psoas that wasn't an ovary you know or whatever it is Um, so I think again just my curiosity and, and I've been put in a lot of situations where I've you know been able to amass that experience and then share it with others. And to me, that's Mm -hmm. the whole point of all this is sharing this with other people. Because if I amass all this knowledge and then I don't tell anybody, what was the point? You know, it's like, I don't need most of this stuff, at least not yet. So clearly it's it's for a very specific purpose. And it's to talk to you and your listeners and the the people I'm going to lecture for tomorrow in Vegas. And, uh, you know, it's um, Mm -hmm. my job is to tell people. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. that's my job. Mm -hmm. Sure. Very exciting. How important are herbs in today's modern medicine cabinet? Yeah, I see, you know, there's still a lot of people working with herbs. There tends to be a, you know, five or six that are really popular, St. John's wort and and echinacea and golden seal. We still hear hear about those. It it doesn't seem to be as big as it was when I started studying it 15 Mm -hmm. or 20 years ago. And maybe it's just because I'm not as up on it anymore. Um, I Mm -hmm. see people still turning to that. What what I find exciting is uh, there's a uh, complementary alternative medicine division of the National Institutes of Health, and they're actually researching a lot of herbs for their efficacy to show, hey, yeah, this stuff works. They were looking at ginkgo biloba for memory. Uh, They were looking at St. John's wort for depression. So there's actually been a lot of studies done that are really looking into, okay, do these things work? People swear by them. Mm-hmm. People swear that if they take, take echinacea, they don't get sick. Some people take echinacea, it doesn't do anything for them. And again, this is mm-hmm. that individuality, that biodiversity that we all have. Um, mm-hmm. uh, American herbs work better for me than Chinese herbs. That's just what happens. And I don't that's know if that's because, because I'm a good German girl. And I would have been taking those types of herbs and not Chinese. You know, I don't know if that's yeah. a if that is a biological thing. Just like some people can't handle certain foods, you know, of different ethnicities. I can eat anything, but herbs don't yeah. work. Homeopathics, homeopathics work great for me. I am just the 
poster child of homeopathics working, where other people with the exact same symptoms who need a very similar rem, they don't get anything from it, but they go to an Ayurvedic practitioner and that works for them. So I think we have to experiment and it's an experiment sometimes, to see what works best. And one of the frustrating things for people about herbs is there's, I think, too many options. I don't think there's enough general knowledge out there. Uh, and I think people expect it to work like an Advil. <laughs> you know, well, I took it yeah. yesterday. What do you mean yeah. it didn't work yet? What do you mean it's not fixed? What do you mean I'm still... Um, it takes patience. And sometimes we don't have that. You know, um, are there herbs that I could take for menstrual cramps? Sure. I want an Advil. You know, I, there are times you, you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're not going to wait for something to kick in. You want immediate symptom relief. I totally get that. Right. But on yeah. a long term, if this has become something chronic or something that you are experiencing acutely over and over again, look into some other options. If it's not life-threatening, take the time. You know, if you have a gunshot wound, please don't come to me for an herb. Please go to the ER. Uh, if you think you're having a heart attack or a stroke, I'm not giving you a homeopathic. Please go see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for things that aren't... I'm going to kill you next week. Let's see if herbs might be the way to go. Um, I found really, really good luck with, um, now of course I can't remember what it was, Uh, for migraines. I was taking an herbal uh, supplement, and I had one medical doctor who said, that's working? And I said, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. absolutely working. And he took the note of it, and he says, I have another client with migraines. I'm going to see if it works for her. Of course, now I can't remember what it is. It's been so long. Uh, But he actually saw that it was working for me and took note of that to try it with another patient, which I really appreciated. It's very, very rare I've had a medical doctor do that. Fever few, that's what it was, fever few. (laughs) For anyone who's sitting there listening going, tell me what it is. Yeah, it was fever few, and I would take a couple capsules a day. I used to make my own capsules. I was, yeah, Yeah. I had herbs hanging in the kitchen, and I'd dry my own herbs, and I was making capsules and tinctures, and it was like this little, like, witch's hovel in my kitchen. It was very fun. Uh, But, yeah, I would make my own uh, capsules and tinctures of fever few, and it worked for my headaches, worked for my headaches. At what point can people know that it's time for them to try something different? in this case, homopathy route. Yeah, if it's not working. Um, you know, and again, you have to give it time. Um, you know, I've had people say to me, just using chiropractic as an example, oh, I don't believe in chiropractors. They're all quacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they do exist. Um, I've seen them. I've worked with them. So you, you have to believe in them because they are there. Um, if you think they're all quacks, well, we can say that about anything. Um, you know, there are massage therapists who are terrible at their job. There are chiropractors who only want your money. There are medical doctors who, you know, uh, are only mm-hmm. in it for the money or the drugs or, the, you know, whatever. You know, so there's, there's bad eggs in, ev- in every profession. I hate to see an entire organization demonized because their great aunt had a bad experience back in the 50s. Okay, try it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, be smart about trying it. But um, I was talking to uh, – I had interviewed one of my chiropractors on my TV show. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, what do you say to people who think chiropractic's quackery and it's not working and, you know, they just want you to come back four times a week? And he said, well, honestly, he said, is it working? If you come back four times a week and you're pain-free, okay, well, it's doing something. You know, he says, I don't want to see typically a patient four days a week unless I really need to, and then we're going to do that maybe for a week, and then we're going to taper them off. Um, he's a very ethical man, and all the practitioners mm-hmm. I work with are ethical. And I think that's the other thing you have to think about is, is it too good to be true? 
and yeah. um, using your head. Um, I had a client come in for a health consultation, and I said, you know, please bring everything you're taking. I said both natural mm-hmm. and prescription because I like to look at interactions, and you know, I have an entire book of interactions. Mm-hmm. And she brings a grocery bag full of bottles. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, boy. Better, better have left more time than an hour to do this one. And I started looking, and she had like six or seven different supplements for thyroid. No prescriptions yeah. for thyroid, but all these herbal supplements and all the, I mean, like all of these supplements. And I said, wow. I said, geez, what's going on with your thyroid? And she said, oh, it's low. And I said, okay, what's your TSH? And she looks at me, and she goes, what? And I said, mm-hmm. TSH, the thyroid-stimulating hormone, what's, what's your number? She goes, oh, well, I don't know. I said, mm-hmm. wait a minute. I said, you're taking bottle after bottle after bottle of supplements for your thyroid, but you don't know what your thyroid number is. She said, no. Mm-hmm. I said, well, then why, why do you think you have a problem with your thyroid? She goes, oh, my chiropractor muscle tested me and then gave me all these supplements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when the, the haggles on the back of my neck raised, and I went, okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, uh, muscle testing, uh, that's one of those things I put sort of in the BS category. Sometimes. Some yeah. people do it very well. Others use it to yeah. sell, you, sell you a lot of supplements. I said, second of all, I said, he didn't give you those supplements. She goes, oh, no, no they're very expensive. I said, hmm, <laughs> right. I said, so here's what I'd like you to do. I said, I'd like you to go to your doctor, your real doctor. I said, have the $15 TSH test and then tell me what your numbers are. She didn't have any symptoms of being hypothyroid. Right. She didn't have the numbers yeah. that indicated she was hypothyroid. The chiropractor pushed on her arm a couple times and gave her $300 worth of supplements. Um, that was offensive to me. And right. she just right. went, okay, and just took them. And, and you have to think for yourself. Um, and that's when you switch practitioners. And that's when you go, mm, maybe it's time to look into something else. So you have to use your head. And I know we want to believe our practitioners. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's sometimes time to get a second or third opinion, especially for something that is easily tested with a stick of a finger, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Let's use, let's use our heads on that. <laughs> Sorry, I went off on a tangent there but it was, in answering your question. It's, it's important to me that people use their head and are logical, rational, reasonable when it comes to things like that. That's, that's very important to me. I don't want to see people getting taken advantage of because it's bad for the whole industry. It makes us all look bad. You touch on a very important subject. It is natural for us to give the benefit of the doubt, the respect to someone in the field of health. Mm-hmm. So... In this particular case, you don't have someone of high character in some ways. So unfortunately, that happens from time to time. Do you have recommendations on how people can stay healthy? Oh, geez, yeah. How much time do we have left? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's it's about going back to the natural things. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to eat good food. We need to drink enough water. We need to breathe. Mm -hmm. We need to move our bodies. Mm -hmm. If you do that... You've, you've got a leg up on everybody else. Um, you know, cut out all the unnatural stuff that's in your diet. Get rid of the artificial sweetener, the soda, the fast food. If you want to treat every once in a while, you know, I go with the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, do the best you can. 20% of the time, maybe you do want that cheeseburger. Maybe you do want that soda. Maybe you do want that um, ice cream, that one donut mm-hmm. on donut day, which seems to be every Tuesday in everybody's office. You know, but if that's your, <laughs> your constant lifestyle, then you're, you're going to be at a disadvantage. So um, my threefold perspective on health is get rid of the things that are not serving you. Because if you keep mm-hmm. doing the bad stuff, 
you're not going to get you're not going to get healthy. Um, the second thing is let's add things back in that we need that we're not getting. Typically, for me, for some reason, that's magnesium. Yeah. Everybody needs more magnesium. It's my favorite mineral. Um, take a good vitamin and mineral. Make sure you're exercising. And then on top of that, the third thing, if that doesn't work, then maybe we're putting in an herb, a prescription, a homeopathic, a surgery, things that are. Mm, the icing on that, things that are not needed daily but can enhance our health or help our, our health heal. Um, so, But you've got to get rid of the bad stuff first. You can't keep hitting yourself on the head with a hammer and wondering why your headache's not going away. Uh, we have to get rid of the bad stuff first. And the bad stuff is individual for everybody. Okay. What are the keys to an unhealthy living lifestyle? <laughs> oh yes, you like that list. Um, in yeah, in in the book, there's a um, how to live an unhealthy life, and I have a list yeah. of probably yeah. about thirty things. And that was in my very first book, uh, the Alternative Medicine mm-hmm. Cabinet. And I had given it to a friend who was helping me edit it, and she said, "Oh my God, I love that list. That's hysterical." But I'm now really <laughs> depressed. So why don't you do a companion list of the things to do for a healthy life? So things right. for an unhealthy life, you know, it's it's about a lot about attitude, um, mm. being negative towards yourself, talking uh, negatively to yourself and about yourself, um, making unhealthy choices, not realizing you have choices, uh, not laughing, not getting outside and exercising, not communing with others. And I think oftentimes we um, – if we're feeling bad, we get into this routine of I don't want to talk to anybody and I don't want to see anybody and I'm just going to sit here. And I think that's that's really bad and that's really dangerous. And you know, if you're having that type of mood stuff, please. Uh, but yeah, I think there's there are days we all make bad choices. I still do it. There mm-hmm. are days that my husband and I call a trash day where it's typically <laughs> Sunday and I I wake up and I eat breakfast and I sit on the couch and I watch football all day. Mm-hmm. All day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the night game comes on, and I'm still watching football. And he says, are you are you still sitting there? And I'm like, yep. And I didn't do any work, and I didn't do – and, you know, we need that every once in a while. I work just right. as I know you do. This is a seven-day-a-week thing. You know, when I'm not massaging right. people, I'm writing, or I'm doing pitches, or I'm speaking, or I'm ready to write. or you know. So it's like every once in a while, give yourself a break. Let yourself have that moment of, I'm not doing anything. I'm just right. going to sit here. Right. <laughs> so true. So true. One of the things that you talk about is affirmation and how to use our words to manage our stress level and so forth. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's estimated we have about 60,000 thoughts a day, and it's Mm -hmm. negative. That's a lot of negative thoughts. And with every negative thought, we're forming new connections in the brain, leading to more negative thoughts. And we've all had that experience of sort of spiraling where we'll have one worry or one negative thought. And the next thing you know, we have, you know, the person dead on the side of the road because we've let that story mm-hmm. unfold. And for some reason, it almost feels good in a way to let that just go. You know, how many times have we had arguments in our head with the person who isn't even there yet because we're building that up because we're going to fight and this is what's going to happen. Um, so we want to yeah. break that cycle. Because if not, we're going to keep spiraling, and that's that's not good. Uh, So the key to affirmations, find where you tend towards negativity. Um, Some people, it's finances. Some people, it's their body and their weight and their health. Some people, it's um, relationships or their work. Mm -hmm. Find where you're tending towards that negativity and see those words you always say. Oh, I'm never going to get that job. Oh, I'm too fat. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. Mm -hmm. And change those phrases to something positive. I am healthy and well. I am prosperous. I am surrounded by loving and supportive people. I have the uh, the perfect spouse for me. I have the ideal mate. I have loving friends. You know, whatever it is, um, make mm-hmm. them short, 
make them positive and put them in the present. Uh, I was working with a guy on affirmations and his, his issue was money and he felt like he Mm -hmm. never had enough. And if we say we never have enough, the universe goes, oh, okay. <laughs> it is more than happy to not give us enough. Yeah. Uh, and so we were working with affirmations, and his, the affirmation he came up with was, someday I'll not be broke. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. Eh, you got all three wrong. Not someday and not not and not broke. I have all the money I need to meet my obligations. I, expe- I accept money from unexpected sources. I, you know, money flows easily to me. Whatever it is. Um, and I have some people say, well, what if I don't believe it? Fake it till you make mm-hmm. it. It's one of those things where you can fake it till you make it. And I heard a really, really great tip with the affirmations, which is if saying to yourself, I have a million dollars, if there's a big part of you that goes, I don't have a million, that's stupid, I'm never going to have a million dollars, say, yeah. I, I love, I love having money. I love having mm-hmm. excess money. I love having enough money to do the things that I want to do. I love having a million dollars. Oop, you just snuck it in. <laughs> right, right, right. So true. You use a lot of visualization as well. You had mentioned earlier that at 15 you were doing visualizations. How does that help in terms of oh, having a healthy life? Yeah, our brain doesn't understand the difference between what we're thinking and imagining and what's actually happening. So if I have everybody right now think of the most negative, horrible day they've ever had and really think about it, really feel it, you're going to put yourself into a stress response. Please don't do that. Um, So when we're dwelling on those negative things from the past and when we're worrying about those negative things from the future – None of that's happening right now, but our brain doesn't understand that. So it's putting us back into that state of stress, which over time is really, really detrimental to our health. So the things that we're imagining and those things that we're seeing, those daydreams we have, the more positive we can make them, the more we're going to be enhancing our health and our life. And a lot of people believe, and if you've seen movies like The Secret or What the Bleep Do We Know or read Think and Grow Rich – a lot of people believe that those images we're holding, those affirmations, those visualizations can actually change our external circumstances. And I have to say, from my experience, so much of what I've been able to accomplish and achieve and do, I visualized first. I daydreamed about, maybe even when I was a kid, but I held those thoughts and I daydreamed about that. Um, it's very powerful. And if nothing else, at the very least, even if you know you don't get the castle on the hill and the white knight coming to to, to take you away and be your new husband, if nothing else, you've stopped that stress response. And the more positive we are, the more positivity we attract. Um, there was a great article. I don't normally read Oprah's magazine, but I was in like a you know, doctor's office or something, mm-hmm. and it was talking about luck. And I don't really believe in luck per se. I think we create our opportunities, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this article was saying, that people who have a more positive attitude tend to be considered more lucky because they're apt to be present in their environment. They look over across the room and they go, oh, my God, that's a $20 bill, whereas someone mm-hmm. who's more pessimistic and who is just sort of in their own little you know, daydreamy space, they're not aware of what's around them. They're missing that opportunity to talk to the person at the table next to them who now just offers them a job. Um, I have had so many opportunities from talking to strangers. Um, I go talk to strangers, you know, not the creepy ones, um, <laughs> not the clowns, mm-hmm. but you know, meet people <laughs> and talk to them. And if you have a positive attitude, you're gonna, so many more doors are going to open up to you just automatically. You know, who wants to hang out right. with someone who mopes around all day? So if nothing else, just being positive in those visualizations, affirmations, and attitude just leads yeah. you to other things, leads you to opportunities. So true, so true. Where can someone go? to buy your book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? 
Yeah, thanks. Um, so the best place, I've got two websites, um, thealternativemedicinecabinet.com. All my books are there, lots of free information, lots of health information, links to all my past shows. I'll put this one up, of course. Um, and then there's also kathygroover.com, which is if you're looking for a speaker, there's all sorts of great info there about you know the keynotes that I do and the different um, options that I offer for doing workshops and, and uh lectures and speeches and things like that. So, uh, And you can find my books there as well, thealternativemedicinecabinet.com and kathygroover.com. Wonderful. This is the fifth book, correct, that you've written? Yes, yes. How has it impacted you personally? This was an interesting one because it was so personal, um, and mm-hmm. some of these stories were not told before this book. Um, my poor father must have been stunned at <laughs> some of the things he read. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't know I was an artist model when I said, "Hey, I'm going to art class." He thought I was drawing. He didn't know I was the subject. Yeah. So I'm sure that chapter kind of disturbed him a little bit. And and the the chapter on the bullying. Um, Mm-hmm. No one really knew. I mean, I had mentioned to you know clients and friends. Oh yeah, I was bullied when I was a kid. But to actually tell that story of getting off the bus and the feeling in my stomach as I knew that girl was going to come after me that day, um, and walking home in tears with bloody knees and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I that was a that was a that was a very real experience as I was rewriting mm-hmm. it. And actually, writing it didn't bother me when I went through to edit it. It really got me, and I found myself reading that and, and kind of reliving it because I'd never really processed it. You know that had happened, right, but not. Right. You know, it's when you tell that story verbatim like that, and especially in writing, I'm like, oh my god. So there were several times during the editing of the book where I kind of choked myself up um, because there's a lot of you know sort of heavy emotional stuff in there. Um, right. So that was really really fascinating. And telling the story of of my client who had overcome his cancer and by the time the book was published mm-hmm. he had actually died. Um, <laughs> that was you know to go back and read his story and be like, "Oh god, he's not here anymore." Stuff like yeah. that. It was it was yeah. interesting to put all that down on paper and to to see my own emotional reaction from my own stories. You know, sure. you don't normally don't normally affect yourself that way, but I tend to be a big, uh, I'm a big emotional lump. So uh, yeah, I I got myself a couple times. (laughs) I understand. What is next for you? Oh boy. You know, I, I'm, uh, my previous book, Conquer Your Stress was just picked up by a traditional publisher. And so really excited about that. So that was just re-released as of October 1st. And so I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, marketing of that again, uh, because stress tends to be the topic I speak on most. And I'm doing a lot of speaking. I'm so honored. I just got accepted into the National Speakers Association. And so that's going to open up a lot of really phenomenal doors. So I'm next on my list is I got to get with a, a good speakers bureau and I want to reach some meeting planners and so anybody who's mm-hmm. listening who needs a speaker, I'm here. I'm your girl, and I know Johnny, you do some really great speaking as well. So we can get on stage together, and we could just we could dominate. It would be fabulous. That's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So just, I would love to do that. <laughs> spreading the word, just just you know, letting people know they have options and and helping them through their health. That's that's my next step. Right. And who knows what it looks like? You know, it's whatever stage it's going to be on. So true. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people, family, and living life. Would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yeah, I've got to go back to the very first thing we said, which is go for it. You know, you always have options. You always have other choices. So take those. And if there's something you want to do, whether it's a hot air balloon ride or swimming with sharks or going to see Hawaii for the first time, do it. Start planning it now. Um, there's no guarantee we have it tomorrow. So go for it today. And, you know, just eat well and breathe and exercise and just be kind to people. We're, we're seeing so much unkindness right now. It's really sort of scary. So just smile at someone today and tell them to have a good day. You have lived your life that way. 
haven't you? Uh-huh. I've tried my best, and there are I, there are moments <laughs> I have failings, you know. And I've still and, and people see like the list of things I've done. They go, "Oh my God, you're only how old? I got a whole other half of my life to live." Hopefully, uh, I got so much stuff to do, so much stuff to do. But yeah, I want to do it day by day and moment by moment. And why would I not? Why would you not have that experience? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Kathy, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing Chicken Soup's latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Angels and Miracles, 101 inspirational stories about hope, answered prayers, and divine intervention. For information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Kathy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar! Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything! When I listen to Audible, I'm not cooking dinner for one. I'm on horseback, galloping across the Scottish moors towards my one true love. There, through the mist, I see my beloved, kilt flapping in the breeze. The fibers of his shirt struggle against his bulging muscles as he takes me from my horse and... My frittata! Go to audible.com slash start trial and your first download is free. Audible. Stories that surround you.